And Phillips has cashed in. Here's Kiermaier to score. The ball's mishandled. And now they've got a Rosarena to run down. A Rosarena scores, and the Rays have won the game. Santa Maria. Hello and welcome to the Matanzas Podcast, a baseball podcast. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Ryan Medeiros, previewing Game 5. But Ryan, before we preview Game 5 of this World Series, I don't even know if I could put into words to describe how crazy that Game 4 was the ending. All I could say is just, wow. Walk me through your reaction to it when you were watching it live. And still, I mean, I can't even get off, you know, the adrenaline from last night's ball game. Well, Max, all I gotta say is I wish we had a video of my live reaction because I would have looked pretty silly. I'm gonna admit I always jump up and down. I had a couple of my friends who were at Providence College uh, on FaceTime with me at the time, and they were actually about a minute behind because they were using the YouTube oh, no. streaming service. Oh, no. So I had to kind of calm myself down. So if you were here in the room watching me, all you would have seen is some idiot jumping up and down mouthing out words screaming but not actually screaming so it was like it would have been a comical sight for sure but it was just the 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 whole play was just unbelievable i mean as as i've said before you can't even script it just the bobble in center field well, well actually let's start off first of all brett phillips a defensive replacement defensive specialist pinch runner specialist comes up to the plate hasn't had a hit in over a month september 25th i believe was the last time he had gotten a hit in a major league baseball game he comes up to the plate immediately he's in down one two so you're already thinking okay this game is over mind you two outs in the game i didn't even mention that there's just so much that's going on in this play he hits a uh, he hits a ball into into right field i won't even say a rocket it was more of a soft line drive really i know you have a little bit more stats on the hit that you're going to share but it gets into the outfield. Chris Taylor comes up ready to throw, bobbles the ball. If you haven't seen the play before, I'm kind of just reiterating it. But first of all, he bobbles the ball. That would have been enough to make the play more exciting. Throws it in. Rosarena tumbles around third base. (laughs) So you're already thinking he's going to be out. Then the throw to the plate is wild. Rosarena scores just so many wild things going into the play. More stuff than I can you can even fathom in a play like that to end a World Series game. And it caps off one of the best World Series games in history, probably. I mean, there were so many plays that led up to that moment. Home runs, go-ahead home runs, go-ahead base hits, t- game tying hits. It, it just was, it was, the whole game was just unbelievable. I'm, I'm really kind of just at a loss of words. It, it's hard to really compile all my thoughts in the game into one uh, description. No doubt about it, and I think you kind of segued right into what I was just going to talk about here, one of the best World Series games of all time. I was reading an article today about Mike Petriello, who I know you're a big fan of, talking about game-turning plays in the World Series with wins probability added. Number one, of course, is Kirk Gibson, game one of the 1988 World Series. We don't even need to explain that one. Game two I had not heard of, but it's Cookie Lavaghetto, 1947, game four, walk-off double, 82.3% jump on that one. And then number three, sliding in at 81%, is Brett Phillips. And that reminded me of an article, Ryan, that I read back in 2017 after Game 5 of the American League Championship Series between the Astros and Dodgers. And it basically talked about the average win probability added per play and that the Dodgers-Astros one was number two behind the 2011 Game 6 between the Cardinals. 
for the highest average win probability added change per play. So I went back, took a look at this game. This one had an average win probability added change of 7%, which is 0.3 higher than the 2011 Game 6 and 0.8 higher than 2017 Game 5. So this can be argued as one of the best World Series all time, just in terms of the action we saw, the twists and turns in the back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up the statistics and numbers there, and it just kind of really solidifies what everyone else was thinking when they were watching the game, and that is that this is this has to be one of the best World Series games of all time, and we were witnessing it last night and live in person. It was just unbelievable. Coming, you go, you can go back to the Brandon Lau three-run home run. I thought that was going to be the biggest hit of the game. It would have been hard to top that. It, I mean, even Justin Turner leading off the game for the second night in a row, hitting a home run in the first inning, you were like, wow, that's unbelievable. There was just so, so many moments in the game that led up to the peak moment, and that's why we love baseball. I mean, let's just get into it here a little bit. It, it, all the moments that kind of are downplayed in baseball, all the boring, quote-unquote, boring moments in baseball lead up to these peak, energetic, just action-filled moments, and you and I have talked about it. it it's not always the big home run plays that make the game real exciting. It's these action-filled plays where the ball is in play and guys have to make the plays in the biggest moments in the game. And unfortunately for the Dodgers, they were not able to do that last night. If you're a Dodgers fan, you're really not enjoying this as much as any other baseball fan. You're, it's a, it had to be a really painful moment if you're a Dodgers fan. Just the, you could, the, the most frank way to put it is that it was a really big choke on the Dodgers' defensive part. I mean, come on, if you're, uh, I'm, uh, to turn to the Dodgers fan perspective or just uh, from the Dodgers' perspective, Chris Taylor's got to pick up that ball up. I mean, as soon as that ball hits the outfield of the grass, you have to know that the run is scoring there. Just make sure you get the ball in your glove. Make the clean throw in. I'll give him credit. He rebounded after he bobbled it and got the ball into the cutoff man. The Max Muncy throw, it's tough to put the blame on him or Will Smith there because I think it was they were both a little bit at fault. Smith has to catch the ball, first of all, but I think he didn't realize that the Rosarena had fallen at that point, and he tried to make the quick tag at the plate because he would have assumed that he would have been running full speed in at that point. Muncy, I think, I watched the replay of him in slow motion. It could have been one or two things for him. I think either he turned and had the ball in his hand saw a Rosarena had fallen and tried to hold on to the ball and ended up kind of misfiring there. Either that or he saw how close he was to Will Smith and tried to take a little bit off the throw and ended up throwing a little bit of a cutter to the plate. So there was so many things that kind of went wrong in that moment. If you're a Dodgers fan, you have to be really disappointed in in the end of that game just because the Dodgers, give them credit, did, did a lot in that game to come into the ninth with that lead and Kenley Jansen also you got to feel a little bit bad for him because he really didn't give up any hard hits in that ninth inning no I think the hardest ball and actually I don't know this for sure just because Joey Wendell doesn't necessarily hit the ball hard ever but I think one of the hardest hit balls in that inning was an out a line out to left field off the bat of Joey Wendell and, that, and then you have the Kiermaier broken bat flare into center field Phillips was not particularly hit too hard and again just to back to reiterate you know Every defender who messed up in that play is to blame. But it's not as easy as it looks like it was on the field just because, again, as you mentioned, with Will Smith, he's blind on that play. As you mentioned, he's assuming that Rosarena, who's a good runner, is coming in full speed. He's going to swipe that tag, turn quickly, and obviously turned a little bit too quickly and went off his glove. Another thing, too, to point out here is that, you know, 
Cody Bellinger should have been in center field. He's one of the best center fielders in Major League Baseball, but was scratched due to the back spasms, was in the DH spot. But then you had Pollock there. Chris Taylor comes in as defensive replacement. And again, Taylor has not been bad in the outfield this year, particularly more in left field than center. But that's just baseball for you, you know, and that's why you got to love it. The stats don't always tell you everything that's going to happen. It's about executing in that moment under the pressure, under the limelights in the World Series. What a moment that was. That'll be something we look back on forever. I mean, 1986, Bill Buckner. 2013, Will Middlebrooks. Both of those happened to include your Red Sox, Ryan. But either way, those type of plays, the chaos that was displayed is just something that's so fun. Got to give a lot of credit to Joe Buck on being able to make that call very well because of how much was going on. But unbelievable. I don't think Game 5 can top it tonight, but we'll see. Let's get to that now, Ryan. Tyler Glass now versus Clayton Kershaw, a rematch of Game 1. What's your mindset going into this one? Well, I mean, going into this one, it's kind of the same thing. I, I think both of the lineups are very similar to that first game. The pitching matchup's the exact same, and I think the, the strategy going to this game is going to be the same. You see Tyler Glass now is going to have that same pitching repertoire that he had in the first game. It's going to be a lot of hard fastballs, and he's going to mix in that devastating breaking ball. The Dodgers players, again, don't strike a whole lot, so they're going to have to put the ball in play. And when you put the ball in play against Glass now, you're going to see some hard-hit balls. So I think for the Dodgers, the key is going to be, can they catch up to that fastball? Because you know you're not going to hit the breaking ball, first of all. I mean, Glass now's breaking pitches are just so devastating. So I think it's going to be, for the Dodgers, the key is going to be, can you hit that fastball, and can you get the ball out of the ballpark? And I think if they're able to hit the fastball, they're going to be able to get some hard-hit balls and some extra base hits. For the for the Rays now, uh, it, you're seeing Clayton Kershaw again. And the thing about Ker Kershaw is he's a little bit more unpredictable than Glass now, who's mainly a two-pitch guy. Kershaw's a veteran pitcher. He's going to be able to mix up his pitches. I think we're going to see a little bit of a different mix than we did from him in Game 1, just to see if he can throw off the Rays hitters. Obviously, he pitched very well against them in Game 1, so you could argue that he might not need to change anything. But I think he's going to mix it up a little bit just to those to. same guys. Yeah, just so those guys don't see the same pitches. And I think that makes him puts him in a little bit better of a position than the glass now, who kind of just has his two-pitch mix, and he's going to try to just dominate you with that. No doubt. And I think a big key for Tyler Glass now is commanding the strike zone. We saw six walks in his last outing. This entire postseason has about, what, 14 walks in 23 and one-third of an inning's work. And he had 14 walks in all of 2019 in about 60 innings of work. It's been a little bit more of a struggle for him this season, particularly into the postseason. So he's going to have to command the strike zone. But then again, you still got to be careful because this Dodgers lineup will make you pay for it if you throw something over the heart of the plate. And that's why it's so hard to face this Dodgers offense. They don't whiff. They don't swing and miss a lot. You have to be perfect against them. And Tyler Glass now is going to have to be pretty close to perfect against them tonight, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, if you look back at game one, the guy that you want to really keep an eye out if you're Glass now is Cody Bellinger, who's had Glass now as number for oh, yeah. pretty much every time he's faced him. You made the great call in game one and, and said that he would be a guy to keep an eye out for. I think he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for tonight. We'll get to our game picks later. But yeah, Bellinger has had Glass now's number. I think he's going to be very careful pitching to him. Uh, and if you're if you're Kershaw, I mean, again, the the guys on the Rays didn't really have very good uh, didn't have very good success against him last time out. So uh, he's going to have to do a good job uh, per usual keeping those guys off balance with his pitch mix. Uh, I think if you're looking at the Rays lineup, a Rosa Rain is a guy. If you're Kershaw, that you got to really look out for. Um, he's got that left-right matchup, and he's pretty much been able to hit anyone. He's had one of the greatest postseasons of all time, 
going into the season. And when you're talking about beating Barry Bonds, his home run record in the postseason, and uh, blasting away the rookie record for hits in the postseason, then he's a guy you'll obviously have to keep an eye out for. Um, I guess what I'm gonna what I'm gonna ask you is if you're Kev, if you're Kevin Cash and you're going to this game and Glass now pitches like four or so innings, and he looks pretty solid compared to last time out. Do you still go to that bullpen even like I obviously it depends on the pitch mix and stuff. Let's just say he's thrown like 80-ish pitches, giving up no runs, and he's cruising along. Do you go to your bullpen? Because I know he uses bullpen guys a lot last night, but do you go to that bullpen early just because that's kind of what you've been doing all year long? And Glass now struggled, obviously, his last time out. Or do you kind of see if you can lengthen him out a little bit more because you used that bullpen so heavily last night? It's a great question, and I don't know the exact answer for you, but I will tell you, I think that if I were him, I would try to potentially stretch him out as long as I can based on what the numbers are telling you in that situation. I'd try to get through five innings if you can, if he's looking good, because look, Anderson has not been effective this entire postseason. Castillo hasn't been or wasn't quite effective yesterday as well. Anderson and Castillo both threw 23 and 26 pitches yesterday, respectively. I think they will be used tonight because, again, there's a day off tomorrow. This is the World Series. This is a must-win game. But I don't think they want to have to rely on them that early in the ball game, especially if it's in the middle of the fourth inning or something like that. But expect other guys. I mean, Thompson only threw nine pitches. Loop only threw 11 pitches. Fairbanks, 12 pitches, so they should be fine. But we may even see guys like Fleming Sheriff and McClanahan who have all been low-leverage guys or low-pressure guys in low-pressure situations maybe be used a little bit more tonight. But to answer your question, I try to get him out as long as I can. Don't try to put him in through three-and-a-half times through the order. I don't think there's any chance of that. But if it means throwing 10, 20 extra pitches to get through five-and-a-half, I think that's fine. I think you made an excellent point bringing up that Fleming might be a guy used in this game because I think he complements Glasnow's pitch repertoire perfectly. I think... Bringing him in after the hard-throwing glass now, he's a little bit of a soft tosser, left-handed side, different pitching arm, a little bit of a different angle. It gives the pit, gives the Dodgers hitters a little bit of a different look. I think that would be a great guy to piggyback off of Tyler Glass now if he gets you, say, through four innings, you pitch Fleming for two, three potentially innings. That will get you into the seventh, if not to the eighth. Uh, there's so much that could go on in this game. Obviously, Glass now could get hit hard, and they might just bring in Fleming to kind of mop up some innings and clean up the damage a little bit and eat up some innings so they don't have to use their high-leverage guys. Again, like you said before, Cash doesn't typically chase ball games. He had to last night because it, they could have been down 3-1, so he kind of had to. But uh, I think tonight, if they get down big early, he's not going to panic. Cash is not the type of manager who's going to panic, and I think we'll see a guy maybe a rookie pitcher like McClanahan come in and uh, or, or Sheriff even who's not really a high leverage guy and we'll see those guys used to kind of clean up a little bit but it will be interesting if they get like you said if they get in get up early and have to go to the and, and I think they will go to those high leverage guys and like you said the day off is huge tomorrow I almost completely forgot about that because we really haven't had any days off yeah. in any series thus far so the day off is huge for those guys to pitch it would allow those high-leverage guys like Anderson, Fairbanks, Castillo to pitch two days in a row uh, tonight because they will have the luxury of a day off tomorrow. Yeah, the looking at it from the Dodgers' side of things, I mean, guys that were used a lot the last couple of days, you got Trine in 30 pitches in two days, Baez 26 pitches yesterday, Jansen 36 pitches in two days. Now, this is a great question. Well, if there's a save situation tonight, 
does Kenley Jansen pitch? In my opinion, it's not necessarily because he's been bad he won't pitch, but do you pitch him based on the amount of pressure that's been put on him the last two days? Because to be honest with you, I know he hung a cutter to a Rosarena in Game 3, and then Game 4 last night caught a couple of tough breaks here. But I think you got to stick with your guy, as you were mentioning last week. If he's rested, though, but after 36 pitches in two days, maybe do you lean towards a guy like a Gratterall or a Trident if he's ready enough for this situation? Yeah, now that you mentioned that he's that he would be pitching three days in a row, I think you almost have to, especially with the pressure that he had to face last night. I think in game three, it was kind of a low-pressure situation. They were up. It wasn't even a save situation at all uh, when he gave the Rosarena home run. So I think yeah. if he had another outing similar to that last night, you, you could warrant pitching him again tonight. But I think since Gratterall has had ex- a minor experience saving some games that he would be a guy that wouldn't be really faced in this situation although he was hit hard uh last night and when he got out of the jam it wasn't like he was looking really sharp either um when he got his one out last night and gave up a hit also he had the third of an inning pitched and a hit given up and the out, one out like i said that he did get was a hard hit ball so it might be a little bit risky i don't think dave roberts is going to want to be in that position no, quite honestly <laughs> uh it, it, you could argue that maybe potentially a joe kelly's a little bit more experienced but he struggled early this postseason if you're in a one-run ball game i think floros yeah. look really good in this series honestly and i know he doesn't have quite the same experience but a lot of really good run on that fastball it's hard to again you don't want to throw a guy in that situation if he's never done it before, especially in a World Series here. But if you're getting desperate, and either way, actually, I'll say this. I think I think Flora will play a big role no matter what tonight. I don't know what point of the game, but he's a big guy in my opinion. But, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that it's going to be a very difficult situation for Roberts, and it's something they've probably already decided at this point, uh, him and the analytics department and uh, Andrew Friedman, the GM as well right now, who they're going to go in that situation probably. But still, you have all of these moving pieces coming around. This is why playoff baseball is so much harder to manage than the regular season. Yeah, Floro, I, I don't want to bring it back to him, but I know you've liked him this season. He pitched well during the regular season with a 2.59 ERA in 24 and a third innings pitch, but he has struggled in the postseason. I think it's worth mentioning that he has a 5.4 ERA in five innings all right, pitch. All right, my fault, yeah. Yeah, no, but he, he did pitch one and a third. He had one and a third scoreless innings in game two. He hasn't pitched in well, since Wednesday of last yeah. week. So you could argue that with the extra rest for him that he might be an interesting guy to use. But, yeah, it's a tough position for Dave Roberts to be in, but uh, it's, 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 an, it's something that warrants us talking about it because it, it will be a storyline potentially later in the game. And I think if you're either manager – you're hoping that you're not in that position because it's not a fun position to be in. You're going to hope that your team gets up early, and I think we're going to see some guys be aggressive early in the game so they can get up uh, early in this one. Yeah, all right. Let's move to pick to picks to click in our predictions for tonight's ball game before we wrap this thing up. I have a couple tonight. The big one for me is going to be Clayton Kershaw. Now, this reminds me so much of 2017. If you don't remember, Game 1 of the 2017 World Series, seven innings of one-run ball against the Astros. Then, in Game 5, the series was tied at two apiece, had the chance to give the Dodgers a 3-2 lead, and obviously really struggled. Six runs over four and one-third of an inning's work. Well, he's got the same exact opportunity right now after pitching well in Game 1, a Game 5 start to give them a 3-2 lead here. It's a second chance for him. I don't think he's going to blow it again. He was very good in his Game 1 start. As you mentioned, I 100% agree. He's going to have to mix it up a little bit more as the Rays just saw him about four days ago. Uh, but I think Clayton Kershaw will do very well tonight. Another guy, a guy who I talked about on our last episode, Max Muncy, he's had 
continued, or he, excuse me, he's continued to have phenomenal at-bats. He's almost walked 20 times in the postseason. Uh, he likes to hit the fastball. Glass now likes to throw the fastball. I expect Max Muncy to hit a couple balls hard tonight, and let's just go for it right here. I know he's a little passive on the Bellinger home run. First home run of the World Series tonight for Max Muncy. Off title glass now. That's my bold prediction. I'm getting ultra specific with this one, but I'm confident it will happen. Hey, it worked out for me in the week when I called the bets home run off to left-handed pitchers. Sometimes taking that long shot, calling that <laughs> shot, ends up working out for you. The guy that I'm looking at for tonight against Tyler Glass now is Jock Peterson. Notoriously mashes right-handed pitchers. I'm looking at his stats against right-handed pitchers in this postseason. He's hitting 407 off of right-handed pitchers with a 429 base and a 519 slugging. Overall in the postseason, he's hitting He's hitting 375 with a 394 on base and a 469 slugging. I think he's going to get, uh, we know he can hit the heat, <laughs> and I think he'll be able to catch up to a Glasnow fastball. I think if Glasnow throws him some breaking balls, he could struggle a little bit. But I think, again, the, the thing with the Dodgers, more so than the Rays, is you can't really fall asleep when you get to the bottom of the order. And I think Glasnow's going to have to be sharp. And I think if he makes a mistake with Jock Peterson in that eight spot in left field tonight, we could see a, a long ball from Peterson. So uh, that's kind of my pick to click there. I'm not going to make a specific long shot and say that Peterson's definitely going to hit a home run off of off of glass now because like, you already said Muncy's going to hit a home run, so I can't really piggyback off of you there. <laughs> but I will say that keep an eye out for him in that eight spot because he's a guy who, again, mashes right-handed pitchers and is not going to be phased by glass now's heat. Yeah, he had some tremendous at-bats last night as well. All right, for me, Ryan, I'm going Dodgers in this ballgame. Even though it's hard to say that based on the momentum, I think the Dodgers win tonight, win tomorrow, and win in six. I'm going to stick with my original prediction with Dodgers in seven. I do think the Dodgers will pull it out tonight under Clayton Kershaw's start. I think the Rays will come back tomorrow. They'll lean, or not tomorrow, but in game six, they'll rely on their pitching depth to help them get to game seven. And I think ultimately the Dodgers will come out on top in game seven. They struggled all last decade to finish it off, but I think they're going to finish it off in 2020. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining our Game 5 preview. Hopefully, we'll get back to you before Game 7. Hopefully, there will be a Game 7. If there is a Game 7, you know we'll have that Game 7 preview. For Max Tanzer, I'm Ryan Medeiros. Thank you guys so much for joining, and enjoy the rest of this World Series.